into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. I know what you're thinking. Did he fire six shots or only five? Well, to tell you the truth in all this excitement, I've kind of lost track myself. But being this is a 44 Magnum, the most powerful handgun in the world, and would blow your head clean off, you've got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? So you know what I got to do last night that was actually pretty awesome? I don't. What did you get to do? Actually, it wasn't last night. It was Monday night. I got to play uh, PSVR Batman Arkham. Oh, how was it? It was. It was. It's super fucking intense, dude. Like I don't know if you played it or not, or have you played any VR games yet? Um, I've I've dabbled a little bit, but not a lot. So. Yeah, I mean, I really wasn't, I didn't know what to expect, because I have done absolutely no VR whatsoever up until this point, point. Mm-hmm. and I could not believe how immersive that actually was. Like, you know, your, your, your character in the game is actually grabbing stuff with his hands, so right. Batman, you're, you're Batman in the game, and he's grabbing stuff, but you're actually just hitting a trigger on the controller in your hand, or you're hitting the button in, on the controller in your hand, so you have two controllers, and you're just hitting a button or hitting a trigger, and that, I mean, but you kind of forget that's what you're doing, like, you fe- actually feel like you're grabbing things, at least that's how I felt. As I say, did um, it, like, totally mess with you, like... Yes, so, literally, I know I'm sitting there in my my friend's living room uh just standing there in the middle of the living room uh, obviously i don't see the living room because i have the the vr headset on and stuff but at one point you're kind of going down like on an elevator in the in the back you're going from basically from wayne manor to the bat cave and it's on an elevator and i i got the feeling in my knees like how you feel when you're in an elevator and it's going down like <laughs> like my head literally was playing tricks on me and it was so creepy that is awesome you yeah. were basically batman i was i was essentially just batman for a good hour like i don't know if that's how long you're supposed to that how long that game is supposed to go but like i played it for like an hour uh and it was it was crazy that is super cool. Yeah, I definitely want to get more and more into VR. Like one of the space games uh, that I play called Elite Dangerous has uh, virtual reality support. And uh, I want to do that, but my computer that I currently have isn't strong enough. Uh, so I'm going to have to build a new gaming PC uh, probably before too long here to get all caught up with the fancy stuff the kids are doing these days in the <laughs> vidge games. Yeah, uh, I would say that you're definitely going to have to do that. Yeah. But so so you <laughs> liked it though. Would you recommend like other people delve into VR gaming? Yeah, I mean obviously I only played the one game, but I had a whole lot of fun and it was super immersive and uh, there were definitely parts for a Batman game that just freaked me the hell out. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's a part where the Joker's kind of playing with your brain, like playing with your mind psychologically, and yeah, it creeped me out, dude. It was pretty, pretty bad. But I mean, I even had like the whole sensation, like because I was standing like on the edge of something, and you can look down and you can see how far down it is, and I was having that vertigo sensation that i have because i'm i'm afraid of heights and even though i know i'm not actually on the edge of anything like i'm still kind of having a anxious anxiety attack about the whole thing oh man how did that how did that play out when you're jumping all nimbly bimbly from building to building well see you don't actually do any of that as the character you kind of you you stick your grab you point your grappling hook at things and then like you push the button to to use it and you kind of just port over there you know, it makes the sound, but you don't actually see yourself swing or anything like that. You just kind of end up there. I wonder if they did that because they knew people would get sick, maybe? Probably. Probably. I could see that. And, and you know, maybe you don't want people just swinging their arms around all crazy and stuff while they're in <laughs> the middle of their living rooms. Eh, what could go wrong? 
Yeah, exactly. So I in and another part was like I was literally um like uh in uh in the living room of my buddy and you know, I can't see where I am or where I'm oriented, but he's watching me and at one point, you know, cuz you're using the 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 PlayStation's camera to gauge where you're at it's it's you know it's tracking the the lights on the headset and on the controllers and stuff mm-hmm. but if you turn around to the point where you know you're covering up the the controllers with your body by accident uh it doesn't quite work and i had no clue that i was no longer pointing at the camera at one point he's like okay let's turn you around here so you're facing the right direction and stuff and i was like oh well, that works out a lot better <laughs> Dude, that's awesome, though, man. Like, I really want to check this out now. I'm, I might have no, to. No, yeah, uh, I think you should. Might have to break down. Definitely See, the should. thing is, though, is I've heard a lot of people say that the PSVR is, like, an okay VR experience. But, like, the HTC Vive um, is supposedly, like, the superior uh, VR experience that you can get currently. But I, it still sounds like you had an amazing time with it, so... I'd be down yeah, to check I did that. have an amazing time. So if PSVR is only okay, then wow, the HTC Vive has got to be mind blowing, right? That's what I hear. I hear they actually have to have a warning on it because people's heads started exploding. <laughs> I would bet. I would imagine so. Yeah, that'd be that'd be pretty intense. <laughs> Just <laughs> seeing someone's head explode right in the middle of their living room. Right? Oh, that's why they got to like start building helmets into the VR goggles to keep the brains inside. <laughs> uh, so, kind of one of the reasons I brought that up also is because um, opening this weekend is Ready Player One. Yes, and uh, which is definitely a movie about video games uh, to an extent. Uh, I, I know I've read the book, and I know you've read the book. Yep. Uh, are, would you say that you're, from what you've seen in the trailers, are you excited about this movie? I'm very excited about Ready Player One. Um, obviously, I think anybody who's familiar with the book is going to know right away that obviously there's going to be a lot of intellectual properties and references from the book that are going to get left out due to licensing and all the legalities and all that sort of stuff. And you can also tell, looking at the trailer, that they've definitely kind of modernized it a little bit more and i you know i think that's totally fine um i've also heard you know because there's also a lot of spielberg references and spielbergian things in the book and so i heard that he kind of tried to come away from that a little bit um that you know he he didn't want to make it as heavy handed towards him and his content um so you know looking at the trailer yeah i heard the the same thing yeah okay cool that's what yeah that's what i'd been hearing so um and i think you know when you look at the trailer there is a lot of evidence that they've done kind of the same scope of what the book was doing but with different intellectual properties and even a little bit more modern properties that i think a lot of other you know a broader audience is going to be able to identify with And I don't think anyone really films a movie, especially an action-adventure movie, quite like Spielberg does. So I'm really excited to see hopefully a a full circle and a return to the Spielbergian form that you and I grew up uh, watching. So I'm, I'm really excited for that, too. Yeah, the, I mean, let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, I mean, Spielberg obviously is a, an incredible, genius, brilliant filmmaker and has made a lot of different types of movies. But uh, as of probably the last decade, he hasn't made a lot of the big action-adventure movies that we come to know him for, from our youth at least. Mm-hmm. He's been He's been doing a lot more, you know, biopics or serious movies like... Uh, the post that he just did, or uh, Lincoln that he did not too long ago, and uh, I mean he did do the BFG, which was yeah. more of a kids movie, but um, yeah, this is definitely like a return to uh, Indiana Jones, uh, the, you know the 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 franchise or uh, ET kind of things, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree, and I think that's another really big selling factor for me with this movie because, you know, I think anytime you love a book and then that book gets purchased to be turned into a film, there's instantly already a significant amount of worry, right? Like, you you do have to have that in the back of your mind that obviously... In a lot of instances, stuff has to get cut. It has to get trimmed down because there's just way too much original source material. And so you you really do have that fear that they're not going to stick true to what the heart and content of that book is. And as soon as they said Spielberg was on board and had acquired the rights to direct this as a movie, I was already super excited. And I think they've, from what I've seen in the trailers at least, it looks like they've handled this in the best way that they possibly can due to, you know, copyright and intellectual property laws and that sort of stuff. So, and like I said, you know, we obviously have a certain nostalgia for that type of Spielberg experience in a theater. And I really do think that's what we're going to see here. And I'm very excited about that. You no, know, exactly. And, and yeah, what you were saying earlier about um, Spielberg, I, I believe this as the story goes is that he when Spielberg wanted to make the movie he also said that he didn't want to make it uh, with a lot of his own movies thrown in there yet we see in the trailer so far uh, you see the the T-Rex from Jurassic Park you see the DeLorean from uh, Back to the Future though he didn't direct that movie he did produce it Mm -hmm. I I think that this movie works, as you said, you know, on this nostalgia factor for wanting to see Spielberg stuff. It also works, I mean, obviously works on heavily on the nostalgia factor of just the 80s for people that either live through it or have a fondness for the 80s, which seems to be a big thing right about right around now. I guess it hits that 30 year mark where everything, you know, whenever whatever was 30 years old is the nostalgia thing. <laughs> That's true. I mean, obviously, I have a huge affinity for the 80s and 80s music. And I, you know, I think that's one of the big reasons that the book resonated so heavily with me. Um, Ernest Klein, the author of it, he wrote another book called Armada, which I actually haven't read yet. But a lot of people, a lot of people came out and said, oh, it's 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 good. It's a very good book, but it's not Ready Player One. And I had to wonder, you know, well, is that because the story is just inherently not as as well written or is it the fact that it doesn't have that nostalgia to really resonate in the same way that Ready Player One does with a lot of people I think that's a very good question and yeah it, it could be it could definitely be it doesn't have that nostalgia hook that definitely gets a lot of people with Ready Player One Yeah, no, I absolutely. I do I do want to read it um and maybe after I read it maybe I could uh do a little we could do a little follow-up thing and I'd be like, "Hey, it's good. Um and this is why." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, and I I definitely believe that after we go and see the movie this weekend, we'll probably end up uh talking about it next week too, at least for a little bit. I sure hope so. <laughs> I'm sure we'll have a lot to say. Now, that well, I mean, what is it? Is there anything in particular that you've seen from the trailer so far that you're you're either worried about or happy about? Like e- e- maybe a change that they've made. Like the Iron Giant is very predominantly in the trailer, but yeah. was no- nowhere in the book. Um, I-, I don't know which robot that he if he is taking the place of one from the from the book because I remember two large mech robots in that. Uh, to speak of, but yeah, what, what do you, what do you there, feel about the trailer? There is a lot of uh, there's a lot of mechs uh, that take place in that battle sequence in the book. Um, a lot of them, mm-hmm. you know, from uh, old anime and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Um, I wouldn't say there's anything that really worries me uh, from the trailers. I, I think the trailer does a very good job of of drawing you in and giving you a visual representation of at least what I was envisioning while I was reading the story. Um, obviously, um, and well, not obviously, but in terms of like the 
excitement and stuff like that, um, you know, having those references and, you know, being able to sit back and look at it and say, okay, well, what what are we really going to have in this movie is, I think, what's really making me even more excited um, is to just see how they handle everything, just to see what they bring in as replacement, you know, IP and stuff like that. I will say the thing that's a little potentially scary for 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 this and for anyone who hasn't read the book, I guess it's not a big deal. And if you have read the book, then, you know, it's still, I guess, not really a spoiler because you're familiar with the story. But there is stuff that looks like it's in the trailer that's giving away some pretty big spoilers from the book's story. And, you know, that's a pretty common problem. And, I'm, you know, we've probably talked that thing into the ground on, on this podcast. We've talked all the time about how, you know, trailers are either super mismarketing nowadays or they're including way too much in the movie. And so for the most part, I've I've watched a few trailers, but I've tried to stay away from it as much as possible just in order to go in with – you know, um, as fresh as an experience as possible without mm-hmm. having too many expectations. You know, obviously there's going to be a lot just because of the book, but, you know, hopefully not overhyping it from, you know, what I'm seeing in the trailers and stuff. Yeah. And, you know, I wanted to say is that, uh, to what we have been talking about, how trailers kind of, uh, market, movies the wrong way nowadays i i kind of feel like this one does a little bit just because i know the story from this from the book um i feel like they play up the fact that it's a video game way too much in the trailer and when they should be playing it up as like a modern day or futuristic indiana jones because i think the action adventure part of the story is going to be the thing that actually gets the um the general audience in into the seats as opposed to making it seem like it's a it's all just about this video game that's called Oasis even though we know Oasis is a little bit more than just a video game uh, that's true and uh you know i mean i guess that is something to kind of be a little bit uh, concerned about right is they they have a finite amount of time that they can do with this movie it looks like they're only going to be doing the one movie so um, you know, we don't really have to anticipate getting any additional uh, films or, you know, being left on a cliffhanger, so to speak. At least that's the assumption that I have. So in doing so, I, I wonder if they haven't moved the story more into uh, an action movie and less of of a um, slower paced kind of discovery story, because that's really what the book is right is there's a lot of explanations of things there's a lot of details of things uh there's a a very long period of time before anyone discovers any of the easter eggs within the uh, oasis so to speak and so you know i think they're gonna have to you know speed it up a little bit so i wonder if if that is maybe what we're seeing in those trailers and that's honestly, I thought that was weird. You you said that you know how we know this is going to be just the one movie. I honestly thought you could make one movie for each Easter egg. Like that, I I I am very surprised that they didn't make it into multiple movies. And I'm guessing that's just uh, that's Spielberg's influence uh, there, as opposed to Warner Brothers. I'm I'm sure Warner Brothers would have been all over them doing multiple movies. It's a possibility. Um, I, you know, I, I obviously don't know the we don't know the internal workings of what went on at the studio or what have you. But, you know, um, it is certainly possible that the studio looked at it and went, yeah, man, if we do this as three films, um, you know, we're going to have a lot of finances tied up into this movie and this franchise, and if, you know, one of them doesn't really perform all that well, like, how does that impact the rest of them? So, you know, I don't know. But at the same time, in a sense, you're right, because now is the time of creating, uh, at least cinematically, these huge franchises, you know? I mean, we're seeing it more and more where, you know, Marvel's making 
essentially Marvel movies for 10 years and everyone's trying to have this ongoing franchise, these huge billion-dollar franchises. And and you're right. Maybe they could have uh, broken it down into a trilogy of films and done all three of them a little bit different based upon the Easter eggs that were there and – you know, but then again, what's the financial investment of that versus the ROI? You know, and and I don't know, but you know, it is fascinating. Yeah, I, I definitely think it's fascinating. I just think that I really feel that uh, the story will suffer because we had to uh, speed up the finding the three Easter eggs. Uh, if if that's the way they go, maybe maybe the story gets changed up a little bit so that it doesn't feel sped up. But uh, I, I just felt like that that seems like a, a very much a disservice to the story, uh, and you know, and that's only because it's one of the few times I've actually read the the the, the story beforehand. Now, uh, going going into reading that book, I I was I was late to the game because I so I already heard about the casting of Ty Sheridan as a uh, Percival mm-hmm. and I was able to picture him in the story while, while I was going along. However, I want to say is that what I've seen in the trailer for what they have for the Oasis is absolutely nothing like what I pictured uh, when I was reading the book. I kind of feel like I don't like the, the motion capture animated version that we're getting on screen I, I feel like it's a little too cartoonish hmm what were you picturing well i mean i it, it certainly wasn't exactly a, a direct representation of what they've captured in the movie but that's where you know the subjective and interpretational part of art comes into play right um without seeing a whole lot of the movie or, or or really anything other than the trailer, I should say, I'm not sold one way or the other yet. Like, I, I could totally buy that as a virtual world, and I think it works. I think it opens up a lot of uh, possibilities and opportunities that you just couldn't get doing things 100% live action. But at the same time, I... I don't I, I don't know. I guess since I was reading it and everything was super heavy to the 80s, I was kind of picturing like a little bit of like a pixel art type situation where it was you know there but maybe not as as highly detailed and as high res and as clean as what they're showing the um you know 3D world to be in 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 the film. Um whether that hurts it or helps it uh, during the movie you know i'll have to answer that excuse me i'll have to answer that after we watch it um but but yeah i i could see how that is going to be a very interesting situation i think for a lot of viewers is you know and and that's the same thing anytime you transition any book to film is you're now fighting against what someone was picturing in their mind versus what the actual director or creatives behind it or were were picturing when they wrote it you know right yeah and obviously uh in your mind in your imagination in your mind's eye you have a unlimited budget and can do just about anything you want whereas you know they still had to stick to a, a a realistic budget uh to make the movie and maybe not everything can be done so which is completely understandable and i still think that i'm going sorry i still think that i'm going to enjoy the, the movie quite a bit uh so i'm i'm definitely looking forward to it now uh i want to say is that a lot of people and even i have in this podcast have referred to this as a video game movie and i would definitely say this is a movie that is about a video game but it's not a video game movie in the sense that it's based off of anything that's already uh, or, or is a is a direct base off of a video game that's already being made as opposed to uh, Tomb Raider, which just came out a couple weeks ago. Did you happen to chance to see that? Uh, matter of factly, I watched it uh, just the other day. And what, I, I did not get a chance to see it yet, but what did you think of it? Um, well... So here's the thing for me, right? Um, 
Tomb Raider originally, as a video game, was not notoriously linked to having very in-depth stories, hence what happened when they did the Angelina Jolie Tomb Raider films, right? Um, right. However, along the lines, uh, Square Enix uh, rebooted the franchise, and in doing so, they really wanted to approach the character of Lara Croft as very humanistic, Um and less, uh, less as a you know, because I, I would say it's sexism or sex icon or whatever you want to determine the, the the first one they were kind of going with, and they wanted to make her a lot more human, and I thought that was an excellent decision and a really great way to to take that story. Now, the thing is, is obviously there's always this kind of backstory around like Lara Croft and her family and her father and stuff like that. And the game, the the rebooted game that this is loosely based off of, I think does such a better job of giving you a full character arc and character development for Lara in in the game. And when you get to the movie, it it really feels as if it's somebody saying, "Okay, well this is based off of a video game." So we need to just not take it serious. We need to make it kind of over the top, kind of uh, a little bit cheesy and just very, very video game based so that people watching know that it's a video game. And to, you know, to my opinion, I would say you don't need to do that. Like even the video game is no longer trying to do that. The video game is very much trying to tell you a story of a young woman struggling in a harsh environment to, I you know, to um, kind of identify who she is as a person. And that's molded by the events that she goes through during, you know, this game. And you really just don't get that same sense of tension and survival and all of that in the film. And there, I don't want to ruin the ending for you, but there's a scene at the very end of the movie that is just horrendous and had no business being in the movie at all. And it really cheapened the entire experience. And it's one of those things where you're like, yep, they did this just because it's a movie based around a video game. Oh, wow. And uh, the other thing I would say quickly is the whole, like, opening act – is completely unnecessary. Like the the start of the second act is really where this movie should have started, in my opinion, and that would have given you more time to really create the the things that you need to to really humanize and have people connect with Lara and to give her that full character arc that she deserves. So this is a weird instance where a video game did a lot better job of being kind of realistic than a film, uh, which is a little strange to say, but, but yeah, that's kind of my broad strokes overview of it without giving too much away. I don't want to spoil it for you since you haven't, you know, seen it yet, but no, not, not a big deal to me, but that's okay. You know, if you don't want to spoil it, that's <clears> fine. Uh, the director on that was a roar. Utog. I want to say a Norwegian director. I have never seen any of his other work. So, uh, I, do you feel that the movie was? Uh, I want to say, do you do you feel like it was his decisions that that maybe didn't pull the movie off for you, or maybe it was somewhere else, like in the writing or in the editing? Or I wouldn't say it was the editing. Um... I definitely do think it would be in the writing and and the directing. And I don't know how many movies he's made. That's not a director that I'm familiar with by name. But uh, it does feel a lot like a newer director. Um, It feels like a storyteller that's maybe not told a, a, a lot of stories cinematically. And, and you know, I don't want to throw it all on him either. That that tends to happen, you know, the same way that the front man of a band kind of gets all of the pros and cons, despite the fact that there's a whole plethora of other people that make, you know, music. And it's the same here. Like, we don't really know 
where a movie gets derailed. We could blame the director. We could say the studio. We could do this. We could do that. But, but yeah, this this film to me definitely had a strong feeling of a younger, maybe not younger in the term of age, but a younger storyteller and filmmaker in the sense of like they don't have a lot of of storytelling cinematically under their belt, so to speak. Does that make right. sense? Right. No, no, not a lot of experience. Right. And um so, you know, I think it well, I to, think that's what happened, you know. Yeah, to answer your question from earlier, including Tomb Raider, he has five full length movies under his belt. Uh he has five short films under his belt and then one episode of a show called Hellford. So eleven directing credits all all together. Um as for the writer, uh, you have screenplay by Gene- uh, Geneva Robertson Duarte, uh, screenplay by Alistair Siddons, and you got story by Evan Doherty and story by also Geneva Robertson Duarte. Duarte, du- hmm. du- I don't know. Um, so that is interesting. Uh, it sounds like. You kind of have a repeat of uh, Assassin's Creed, which I did see with you uh, back when that came out with Michael Fassbender, where there was a lot of unnecessary stuff just because it's a video game, and uh, you know, a a lot. It seemed like a lot of plot lines were were just missed and not not enough focus on actual story. Uh, so I think that Tomb Raider seems like it, it kind of continues that curse that has been out there about the, the video game to movie adaptation. Uh, yeah, there's, there's not too many out there that are actually good. No, that's, that's very true. Um, I, I will say I do feel overall that Tomb Raider is a better film experience than Assassin's Creed. However, you're right. I do think fundamentally they both suffer from, and I don't know this to be true. This is just an assumption, and I could be completely wrong. But it feels like these filmmakers and people that are involved in it aren't really familiar with what the video games are. And so I think that's where you're running into a huge problem in the transitional phase from you know controller to uh, cinema. And it it does feel like what I was saying earlier. It feels like a lot of people are like, well, we have to make it this specific way because it's a video game. It's almost as if it's like we can't take this serious and do it properly because it's based off of video game source material. And that's where I think they're wrong. I think if you can bring someone in, tell a good story, tell a concise story um i think you'll have a great adaptation and a good movie and and again you don't even have to make it like um a shot for shot remake with the game you just need to focus fundamentally on what the heart of that game is and and that's a big thing that's missing from both of those you know with tomb raider um the biggest thing there is it's really about her kind of coming of self-awareness and and age if you will in a survival based uh environment and situation and and you really don't get that in the movie and i think that's the problem for me and uh what i mean what do you think it is for the video game to movie genre in general that uh, usually misses the mark for audiences because they have, I would say, notoriously have not done well at the box office. At least not to the money, the amount of money that they usually have to spend on them. I think you know we we have this conversation, and I'm I'm more than positive this was not recorded anywhere. This because I'm sure we had this conversation. Maybe we had it once on here, but uh, it's a conversation you and I have had significantly uh, a significant. Uh, I cannot talk a significant number of times throughout our our massively long friendship. Um, and that that's the same thing that uh, you would always tell me about comic books, right? Is they initially started, I mean, they, they were making comic book adaptations back in the 80s and uh, they weren't particularly great. And, you know, there was a huge thing as to why. And, and we've always had this kind of conversation where it was like, 
they're making these adaptations without bringing people in who are true fans and love the source material. They're just getting people that make movies to make comic book movies up until fairly recently. Now we're mm-hmm. seeing what the effects of Disney slash Marvel saying, hey, this person is a fanatic of the source material. Let's bring them in. Let's let them do what they do. And lo and behold, we're getting tons of fantastic comic book movies. You inherently look at DC, who, from all things that I've heard and read, aren't doing the Marvel uh, approach to it. They're still trying to be extremely, extremely controlling. They're they're trying to shoehorn all this stuff together, and and it's quite frankly not working. I think that is the exact same thing that happens with video game to film adaptations. Obviously, we've had video game to film adaptations since probably the 90s, late 80s, early 90s in the fact of like the Mario Brothers movie they did. Um, there's been another a number of other ones as well, of course. But it, it kind of seems to be the same situation. You're bringing these people in who inherently don't feel as if – they are huge fans and fanatically attached to the source material, and it's it's showing. It, it really feels like these people don't understand what it is about the game's story that made that game great. And when you don't have the other elements of a game, such as the interactivity, um, when you transition it into a cinematic experience, you have to bank heavily heavily on nailing these story elements that made that game great and i think that's what's not fundamentally happening to me that's what it feels like at least yeah i think you're i think you're hitting it pretty much on the head there uh i think more often than not and this is what did happen with the the comic book movies back in the 80s and early 90s probably not until you get to blade in the late 90s but you just have people that are getting these jobs to write these movies and direct these movies based off this ip that they don't really know that maybe they're just getting second hand or they're not doing the research themselves and they're just you're right getting the broad strokes and you're it's just not not hitting the 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 reason why people enjoy those video games or those comic books at that time. Mm-hmm. Now, with video games, and especially nowadays, video games are so much more than what they used to be. They're, uh, I mean, you could probably sit there and say that the older video games, you know, you would you could would take up a lot of time, but it's not. It wasn't story based. It was like level based, where you just kind of you just played level after level until eventually you hit a kill screen or something. But. Uh, now, when you play the new Laura Croft Tomb Raider game or uh, Uncharted or uh, Assassin's Creed, whichever one you play, you know, you have, I don't know, what how many hours of gameplay do you, do you think are in one of those games, one of those stories? Like, like four hours, four or five hours? Oh, um, I mean, I would say significantly more than that, depending upon what what game you're playing you know what i mean um assassin's creed i would say you're maybe in the 40 plus hours but i mean even if you i mean i'm just saying you you played straight through the video the storyline video game you don't do any side quests if you just did cinematics and whatever you need to get to the cinematic you still think 40 hours no, I mean, no, it would be less in that instance. However, the, the argument that I would make, though, is, is you know, doing those side quests, doing those extra missions, they're giving you extra story. They're giving you, and not at every video game, but in, in a lot, they're giving you extra story. They're giving you extra lore to the world. They are still enhancing the overall story. But, but yeah, it, it no, I don't think you would be getting strictly 40 hours of narrative um, but I would say it's it's a pretty pretty healthy amount. Okay, so yeah, I mean that's essentially let's say anywhere from uh, five to ten hours of story in the video game uh, is supposed to be condensed down to two to two and a half hours. 
it's you're you're going to have to go with the broad strokes, and you're going to miss out on the, a lot of the int- uh, intricacies, and it's it's not fair to the moviegoers, not fair to the people who love the the video game in the first place, because it's already so de- well developed in the video games that are nowadays that it's I don't know who I don't know if someone is going to be able to crack that code anytime soon now if you take the model of uh of comic books you know comic books let's say that they you know started in the 70s it took until 2000 the 2000s to to get it right so 30 years uh maybe maybe 40 years so maybe next in the next 10 years they'll start getting video games right because if you say they started in the 80s well, exactly. I mean, I think, you know, comic books – oh, not comic books, sorry. Uh, video games are are inherently behind the curve, right? I mean, cinema's been around for 100-plus years. Comic books are very quickly broaching the 100-year mark um, if they're not there already. I don't think they're there quite yet, but they're they're getting pretty quickly there too. And, I mean, video games haven't been around quite as long, so, I mean, it's kind of trailing. And, and even even more so, right, because – the technology that video games have needed to really tell these rich, deep narratives hasn't been around even half as long, essentially, as video games have existed. Um, I do think it's possible. Um, and I think Tomb Raider would have been a good one to do it with. I just think the the broad strokes they focused on weren't the appropriate or correct ones. Um, or there was some loss in translation, right? Like, um, I didn't watch it, but when the new Ninja Turtles movie came out, I remember talking to uh, our friend Chris, and uh, I was like, well, how was it? And he was like, well, it feels like someone told someone else who knew nothing about Ninja Turtles what the Ninja Turtles were, and then they got drunk and went and made a movie about the Ninja Turtles without really knowing anything (laughs) about it themselves, and that's kind of what a lot of these adaptations for for a game to film um, feels like. And, uh, you know, it, it's interesting, too, because even in some comic books, it almost feels like they would have a better home going to an exclusive programming through Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, whatever. Um, and, and a case in point of that, I was actually talking about this earlier today is the Fantastic Four. Um, That is a comic book, from what I understand, that is all based around a relationship or their relationships as as kind of a pseudo family that they've created for themselves. And I think that's why it's never been translated well to film is because film is more about the events and the actions that happen and less about the intricacies of all of the relationships, whereas television is kind of the opposite. It's all about those relationships and the intricacies of those that keep people coming back week after week after week to watch those. And, I, you know, with video games already being a long form of storytelling, maybe that's where we're going to finally see one, uh, like a great adaptation onto a screen from a video game might actually be in a, a longer form uh, narrative original content perhaps well let me let me ask you this did you watch netflix's uh castlevania um yes i did was was that good it actually i mean was. I, I, under, I understand that's animated so it's not exactly what we're talking about but i didn't watch it so uh i, I wondered how how did that translate from video game to tv series um to be fair i'm not a huge fanatic or or hugely involved in um castlevania in terms of the story uh, right from the video games but i will say the show uh, it, it's it's short, and I think that's what a lot of the complaints for it was. Uh, but overall, the show itself is is quite enjoyable. It's quite a good show. Okay. Uh, then let's talk about some of the other video game to movies that have been made. What are ones that you felt were uh, good that you really enjoyed? Well, um. 
I think the one that jumps out at me the most, um, and it's so weird. I was I was literally talking about basically all of this earlier today, which is awesome. Um, but <laughs> but like one of the best ones that that jumps out at me was Silent Hill. Um, I Silent thought Hill, they did yeah, a definitely. Very good job with Silent Hill. Uh, again, it has its um, you know it has its differences from from the game you know from the first game of course but overall it does a pretty decent job of capturing the heart and essence of of what the first silent hill game was yeah no i would agree i would think that i felt like that was one a good movie and then two also a good adaptation uh yeah and obviously it does stray from the video game a little bit but still i think it holds the points that it needs to hold to make it recognizable as that video game. Oh, absolutely. It uh, absolutely does. 100%. I mean, I don't know. What about you? Do you have any that kind of stick out at you? Well, I would say that the one that I would say a lot of people would put up there would be mortal Kombat from 94. I want to say, uh, that, Definitely, I mean, the storyline for Mortal Kombat itself is probably not the the boldest storyline. It's it's tournament fighting and and the survival of our world kind of thing. But uh, oh, ninety five is when that came out, and I I think you you picked they picked a, a solid character to follow in Liu Kang, and uh, they they made a movie that gave us exactly what you wanted. You had people fighting and uh consequences to whether or not they win uh other than that i would say that i which is funny because another movie directed which mortal kombat was directed by paul ws anderson i really enjoy resident evil the first resident evil movie which is also directed by paul ws anderson now does that movie go with the video game no it's essentially just you have a bunch of zombies in it and you have the umbrella corporation that's the only connection to the video game, really, uh, in that first movie. But I still thought it was a good movie. And that's true. I, I think a lot of people would agree with you on that. I think the first uh, Resident Evil was a good movie. And again, I think that goes to show you that you don't have to directly recreate the game, but you have to recreate the heart of what that game was. And the first Resident Evil movie does that pretty well. Yeah, it definitely it, it it goes with the whole uh freaking you out, zombie scares, jump scares, you know, everything that you came to love from the game franchise in the movie, just not the characters that you recognize. Now, the subsequent sequels or the rest of the franchise starts introducing a lot of the characters from the from the video games and I mean, you. Could, I, I would definitely say there are some misses with uh, the the sequels, but I still thought, as an overall, the, the the movies did pretty well. They did well enough. They never actually hit uh, the success that the first movie did for me, but still uh, a good run for a franchise that went on to make, I want to say, five sequels, six movies in total. Mm-hmm. That's pretty incredible. Yeah, I mean that is that is absolutely incredible you know what i mean um another one that's not necessarily great but it has a lot of nostalgia for me would be street fighter with van damme yes yes you know what i mean i'm so glad you brought that up because yeah i mean as much crap as everybody gives that movie and it is not a good movie i still enjoy the hell out of it i do too I do too. Compl- I mean, like, I don't know how many times I've sat around and quoted that and, you know, been like, I'm going to get in my boat, I'm going to go up river, and I'm going to kick bison's ass so hard that the next bison <laughs> wannabe is going to feel it. I mean, there's just so many great, like, quotable lines from that movie, you know? And I mean, even. Um, well, that was what Raul Julia's his last movie, right? Like he, true, he yes. passed away making that, and I mean he's got some truly uh, um, wonderful lines in that film as well. I mean, one of the ones that always sticks out at me is when he's like, "You came here to fight a madman, but instead you found a god." I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that is a great line. 
Yes, no, it's 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 so ridiculous and so over the top is that I think you have to enjoy it on that level of just being like, wow, this they actually made this, you know, this is this is they went balls to the wall and just went all out and just made a crazy over the top movie that to me sells it. I mean, you got Van Damme as Guile, you know, all American uh gi joe van or sorry guile but played by uh you know what is it uh the muscle from brussels so that's not germany where brussels is it's his own thing right uh sure i don't know yeah i i always forget (laughs) anyways you know a a european person playing all-american gi joe and then you got uh, they made E Honda into a Hawaiian American, and you made you got Cami playing, uh, or I'm sorry, it's uh, Kylie Minogue playing Cami, which Kylie Minogue I believe is Australian, and mm-hmm. Cami's supposed to be British. I mean, you just literally went out and just threw all kinds of weird shit in there, and then you got the very talented uh, Ming Na. Ming Na Wen playing Chung Lee, which she does a great job as the character. And by the end of that movie, everybody's wearing their iconic like outfit from the video games, even though there's absolutely no reason for them to be wearing what they're wearing. Right. So it's just it's great. I, I I love that movie just for the craziness of it. I completely agree with you. I I. It it has no business being as good as it is, in my opinion. Yeah, as good as it is or as loved as it is by me. <laughs> exactly. No, it's so true. It's so very now, true. Now, on the other spect- end of the spectrum, you have movies that obviously just do not do well. And Ugh. it would be like Doom from 2005 or... Hitman starring Timothy Oliphant from which, 2007. Which, wait a second. Before you move on, let's talk about how bananas this is for a second, okay? Let's think about this. Uh, Doom, yeah, what What would you say? That would have been early 2000s, mid-2000s probably, right? Yeah, 2005 when that movie came out starring uh, the Rock Carl Urban and, and Carl The Urban. Rock. Now, that's what I, I was going to say. Imagine what that movie would be like and what kind of budget that movie would have if it was made right now. If they were to greenlight a Doom movie with the two of them right now, it might have been good. Dude, I, you're absolutely right. You, they would, If they would have gave it to a probably more known director, and yes, it would have had, definitely had a bigger budget because... Carl Urban is definitely a bigger star now. He's not. He might not be the the biggest star or the 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 you know most known actor out there, but he's been in a lot of big movies and uh, and, and has definitely uh, worked on his craft quite a bit since then. But you have the literal f- movie franchise, uh, you know, uh, energizer in The Rock in Dwayne Johnson. Like, he came in on uh, the sequel to G.I. Joe, Rise of Cobra, and the sequel to that made more money because of him. Mm-hmm. You know, he came in into uh, Fast and the Furious 5, and f- after Fast and the Furious 5, that movie, was it Fast 5, th- those movies just started making tons and tons and tons of more money. Maybe you could sit there and say it's Justin Lin's doing, but it, it has to, there has to be a good deal of it. It has to be because of The Rock, even to the point that now he's him and Jason Statham are getting their own spinoff movie from the Fast and Furious franchise. Yes, <laughs> that's all I want. I don't care about the rest of them. Let's just do. Let's just see Jason Statham and The Rock running around, just whooping ass and driving fast. That's what it should be called: <laughs> Fast uh, colon whooping ass. And hauling ass. That's literally all it should be. I mean, that, that's amazing. I, I'm all for it. I, I think that right? that's brilliant. Brilliant titling right there. But but no, yes, this movie, for all intents and purposes, you sat there and if so, you described this movie to someone that had never heard that they had made a Doom movie in 2005 and said, hey, they're going to make a movie based off this very popular video game and it's going to star two very popular actors 
and it's going to you know be a science fiction uh, movie that has to do with aliens or demons, whichever way you want to put it. I I would say that yeah, you you sold that this movie is going to make all the fucking money, but in 2005 this movie did not. It made 55.9 million dollars in the box office with a budget of 60 million. Ooh. So yeah, it 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 didn't make its money back just for the budget. So uh you know, it just it, it didn't go anywhere after that and it it's it's just crazy to think about. I mean, even yeah. I would assume even like the rocks bad movies like baywatch you know make its money back at least just be just off of his name recognition alone i would say that's probably true and and that's my thing (laughs) like i can't imagine what would happen if if that movie were to be greenlit today instead of 2005 i think the script would have ended up being very different and i think the entire movie would have been and probably all for the better not like the bar was set that high, but I mean, it still probably would have been considerably better than what it was. Yeah, uh, and then the other two that I, I mentioned were Hitman uh, from 2007 and uh, Max Payne from ooh 2008. So you know, it seems like around the, the mid to late 2000s, they tried to to make a whole bunch of movies they just, of out of video games, and they still just weren't successful. They still hadn't were, were able to crack that code. So, yeah. Uh, well, then again, I don't know. Look, this Max Payne movie, the budget was 35 million, but they made 85 million in their box office. So, technically, I guess successful, but that movie was just terrible. Yeah, I mean, maybe financial success, but certainly not uh, success in terms of enjoyability, I would say. You know, but that comes into the whole debate of how do you determine the success of a movie? You know, is it strictly by the numbers? Is it by the content? And, you know, that goes back to how you are critiquing them and judging them. And. And you want to you want to hold on to your your head for this one for a second? Uh-oh. Uh, Hitman, starring Timothy Oliphant in 2007. I don't know the budget, but the box office of that was a hundred million. Wow. Yeah, it actually made a whole bunch of money, which is surprising that they didn't make a sequel until what 2015. I'm guessing its budget might have been fairly <laughs> large then. Um, but again, I don't see why it would have been. There, well, there wasn't anything too big in that. I mean, there wasn't like a, anything CGI. There wasn't any giant robots or anything like that. Yeah, no, it looks it, like it was uh, 24 million. Wow. So there you go. Uh, definitely a successful hmm. box office. Just, yeah. Yeah, once again, you have to worry, wonder what it is that. Uh, really makes the criteria for being considered a success or not well so so here's the thing with that movie though right it goes back to you know in terms of the content like they tried to put this like pseudo love story with 47 in there and it's like no no like don't (laughs) do that that's not no and i think that's what really hurt uh I think that's what really hurt both of the Hitman movies. Granted, they, they're not, you know, there's the first one and then there's kind of the, I think the other one's a reboot, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think technically it's a reboot. Uh, I don't remember them making any reference to the Timothy Oliphant movie, so I would say, yeah, it's a reboot. I mean, but then again, I, would, I wouldn't I would even call it a reboot. I would call it a re-adaptation because... Mm-hmm. You're, you're both movies are adapting something else. You know, That's true. they're both another property. I, I, I don't like it when, when like okay, you got Robert Downey Jr.'s um, Doctor Doolittle coming out here, you know, next year at some point, and people are calling that a reboot because of the Eddie Murphy movies. Well, there's movies that were Rex Man, Ma- Rex Mason's movies before that, and you know they were books before that. So. How can you call it a reboot from the Eddie Murphy stuff when there's other stuff that existed before that? You know what I mean? I do, and that's a very good question. So I just I just like to say it's a read at readaptation. I think that's a good way of doing it. That's a very good uh, explanation. 
so what are your do you do you have any hopes for future uh, video game movies, or do you find do you feel like they should just maybe give up on it at, for right now, maybe for like the next twenty years? Uh, well, you know, I hope they don't give up on it for the next twenty years. I mean, that's quite a ways off. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm trying to think of you know what would make a really good, um, or what you might have an easier time adapting. Um, I think there's been some talk about The Last of Us, and uh, I think if you could do that right, that would be an amazing journey to experience cinematically. Um, Same with uh, the Uncharted series, uh, from what I understand and what I know of those, that could be another uh, really wonderful thing, which is not surprising that those are both made by the same developer, which is uh, Naughty Dog. Naughty Dog? Yeah. Well, they're um, making that uh, Uncharted movie with Tom Holland. Oh, that's an excellent choice, actually. Uh, He's a little younger than I would have thought, but... That's what I was, that's what I was going to say you don't think that he's a little young to be playing Nathan Drake? It's it's younger than I would think, yeah, but I could also see him kind of in that, you know, personality type because he's very kind of sarcastic and witty. Um I think originally there was some hope for Nathan Fillion, um but I think he's but, kind of potentially aged out, so I don't know, right, but yeah. but yeah, I I I could see him doing the character, but he, I, I definitely agree. He does seem like he would be a little young for, for that particular character. Okay. But I think those would be great. Uh, um, if they could ever manage to do it properly and, and had a, at least a three-movie agreement, I think if they could do Mass Effect, um, that's another game that has a pretty incredible science fiction story that visually could be told very very interestingly on film but that's going to be one you have to handle with some serious uh kitten mittens uh because that's got some (laughs) rabid fans and you do not want to hose that one over so one that i think that would make a really good movie even though i've never played it and all i know is the is the trailers for it and seeing a little bit of gameplay for it uh is the the hacker video game sleeping dogs is that what it's called um no it's not sleeping dogs uh watchdogs watchdogs thank you i think that one would make a good movie and i'm like i said i'm literally just going off the trailer and a little bit of gameplay that i've seen um no i think you're right um it it has a it has a pretty interesting story. Uh, I haven't played the second one. I heard the second one had a slightly better story. But the first story isn't bad. Um, it's a little generic once you kind of get to the end and figure out what's going on. But I could still see it working. And I think mm. it visually would have a lot of interesting things that you could do because of the hacking. And I think that's where I, I, I came up with that uh, idea or uh, inkling. I guess is more of a way to put it that I think visually it would be interesting to watch uh, in a movie. No, I agree. I, the world they crafted in that uh, game is very interesting. And, I mean, there's still a lot of rumors that it's kind of also linked to the Assassin's Creed verse. So, Oh. Is that also made by Ubisoft? It is, yeah. I didn't. I didn't know that. That's interesting. Uh, okay, well, uh, we're both excited to go see game Ready Player One at some point this weekend, and uh, we will definitely come back and have to report what we thought when we do. So if anybody would like to get a hold of us or tell us what they thought of Ready Player One or any video game movie, for that matter, uh, we'd love to hear from you. I'm on Twitter as at agent underscore of the underscore bat. Richard's also on Twitter as... At Ry Cohen, at R-I-C-O-W-N. The rest of Geek Elite Radio is at Geek Elite Radio on Twitter, at Geek Elite Radio on Instagram. Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Radio is our Facebook page. And GeekEliteRadio.com is our website. Check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the Geek Elite Radio Network. Also, make sure to check out Richard on his Twitch channel where he's playing... Uh, so you just finished up Mass Effect and another game, Hellblade? Hell something? Well, I finished Hellblade uh, today... 
Um, I'm, we're not quite done with Mass Effect. We played through the oh, original okay. trilogy, um, and and now we are currently playing through uh, Mass Effect Andromeda. Right. So definitely go over there to his Twitch channel, which is... It's uh, twitch.tv slash Rikoen1, R-I-C-O-W-N, and the number one. And, uh, you know, support him and his video game playing and uh, support Geekly Radio. So, uh, until next time, this is the Mitch and Rich Show on the Geekly Radio Network saying always remember to geek Geek out. out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.